Hi, I'm Pastor Rachel. Welcome to Restoration Church. We have been on this series called The With God Life, and this idea that how do we not live for God, but live alongside with Him, partner with God, and, and help bring heaven onto earth in any kind of way that we can and you and our humanity with his help. And so one of the ways that we do this is to see our life as an act of worship, this with God life, this worship. So worship really means to show reverence or adoration, to regard um, with respect or honor or devotion. We use the word lightly sometimes that we worship somebody, uh, a movie star or some beautiful person or some really kind person. And there is this human understanding of that. But the kind of worship that we're talking about with God is to give worth to, right? And more than just hold some hold God in high esteem, which is, as his people, a little bit arrogant of us. But in this biblical context, the Hebrew word for worship is shakak, which means to depress or to fall down, to lay prostate before God. It's to hold him up with such reverence, with such honor that my only desire is to bow down before him. Now, this bowing down before him, this assigning worth to this, this worship that we do, it's this visceral response to the creation, to the work of God, where he is uniting heaven and earth, that the, the, the very best things of earth are a hint of heaven. Now, worship doesn't look the same on everyone. Here's what I've learned after so many years in church spaces is the outside is not indicative of the depth of worship. Very often, and I, and I was on a worship teams, you know, you want the people in the congregation to show their worship. You want them to engage with their bodies. And that is the way some people do. But do you know that there are people who engage in worship in ways that I can't see that are even deeper than maybe I do sometimes? And so even though emotions are often an overflow of worship, and for me they certainly are because I'm a very demonstrative person, this emotional high cannot be our goal or else I make myself the receiver of my own worship because I'm trying to get the high, I'm trying to get that feeling You see, it has to be about God's desires, not mine. That doesn't mean we can't have an emotional response to God. Of course, we're in relationship with the God of the universe. His very creation can bring me to tears. But there are so many more layers to worship that we're going to talk about today. And I also want us to do just this little disclaimer. There is a difference between praise and worship. When we're praising God, the focus is on what he has done. And we have all sorts of examples of that throughout the scripture. You know, the the, the Israelites would recount all the things that God had done as an act of praise. But when we worship him, it's more about who he is, his character, His very godness. And both are biblical. But today we're going to really talk about who God is and how do we live a with God life in this idea where our whole lives are an act of worship. So I'm going to start with this. Worship as surrender. 
We have Jesus surrendering to God's will in Luke 22, 41 through 43. And this is when he is about to be crucified. He's in the garden. He's praying. And he says this. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. So imagine that Jesus, who is God himself and is a human. He surrenders his will. And what he's saying is, I don't want to go through this, but Lord, not my will, but yours. You are God. And this is all about your desires, not mine. And so then the more beautiful thing of this whole thing, not the more beautiful, but the additional beautiful thing is that then an angel comes to give him strength for what is to come. See, it wasn't removed from him. The hardship he was getting ready to go through, but an angel was sent to be with him and to give him the strength he needed to surrender to God's will. Sometimes we don't have it in us to surrender something. Where maybe, maybe you're being called to surrender in some area of your life to God's will, to, to not my will, but your will, Lord. But here's what we know from this scripture, that we have angels to come alongside and give us strength to surrender, to surrender to God. Think of Isaiah 64, 8. Yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand and we surrender. So what area might God be calling you to surrender right now? To lay aside your will, maybe even lay aside your desires, your hopes, your dreams, and just say, not my will, but yours. Because you are God. The second thing we want to talk about today is worship as humility, to have this humble posture of heart that acknowledges lordship. Even the humility that comes with the recognition that he is creator and we are the created. And we live in context with other created things, whether it's animals or plants or humans. But to understand that we have to be humble. We have to come and know that we are below God, the creator. And somehow in the incredible way that he does things, in the mysteries of God, he allows us to partner with him. But we are not God. I think of the woman with the alabaster box in Luke 7. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And when he went into the Pharisee's house, he reclined to dine. And a woman in the city who was a sinner having learned that he was eating in the the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. And she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair, kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. And that's a beautiful picture. I know the disciples and the Pharisees were a little bit put out about this. And Jesus goes on to counter their protest And basically says, the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Because she had received forgiveness, she could love Jesus well. And that is what 
humble worship does. It puts us in context with the other created things in a way that is humble and able to put their needs above ours, to prefer one another, to love each other well, to love creation well, because God has created it. Where in what area of your life might you not be acknowledging his lordship? Where do you need to be more humble in saying, you are God and I am not? And what might you call me to do in that humble understanding? Worship is sacrifice. Hebrews 12.1, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. I love that concept. It's just reasonable to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. It's reasonable. We act like it's such a, a huge gift for to God that we would, you know, worship him, that we would give him an hour, an hour and a half on Sunday. Isn't he lucky? But see, our whole bodies, that we are the temple, his temple, that he resides in us, that we are all his. And to, and to live in that understanding that it is not just a Sunday kind of thing. This is not a Sunday faith. This is a, I am a spiritual being navigating this world. I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit, trying to pick my way through this kind of crazy place we live in. But I want to be holy and acceptable to God all the time. Not during devotions, not during a great worship song, not just during church service, but literally all the time to wake up every morning thinking about, be Lord over my mind, be Lord over my heart. Be Lord over my speech. It's a beautiful thing to say. Again, it kind of goes with surrender, sacrifice and surrender that we sacrifice and present our bodies as a living sacrifice. It's a beautiful picture. Abraham had a willingness to sacrifice his son as complicated as that story can be for us. Verse 12 of Genesis 22. And the angel says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything for him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham looks up and he sees this ram in the thicket and he goes and he takes the ram and offers it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham calls that place the Lord will provide. So he was able to sacrifice, not that God calls us to sacrifice our children necessarily, but he called him to love him above all other things, to present his body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. How might God be calling you to sacrifice his worship? Worship is trust. Think of Paul and Silas singing in the prison in Acts 16. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. And here's the part where we really see the trust. So we see that Paul and Silas are put in prison. 
And we see that the earthquake opens that prison doors. But do you know what? They don't leave because they were, they knew that the jailer would lose his life if they left. And so because of their trust in God, even through this earthquake, even through what might seem like an open door, an escape mechanism, they stayed in trust. They worshiped God in trust. Trust was their worship. And because of that, the jailer and all his family believed on the name of Jesus Christ that night. And then ultimately the next day, Paul and Silas were released anyway. So we have this, this idea that what God, that there are times in our walk with Jesus that he is calling you to praise him in the midst of. Right in the midst of the hardest things that you might go through, that we stop and we worship him. We declare our trust in him. We declare that he is the provider. We, we declare that we surrender. And we do it with a humility. And then finally, worship as community. We think of the Israelites. They had this common worship all the time, gathering together, declaring who God is over and over and over. We have the early church and they had that common worship where they would come together and they would declare who God is. They would encourage one another in who God is because it's easy to lose sight of that when you're going through your days and you're going to work and you're taking care of things at home and it just seems hard and it just seems frustrating and it seems hopeless sometimes, but to come together and remind one another to encourage one another in worship. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And so we declare him to be the Lord of all, to be the God of the universe, the God above all other gods, the most important thing. And then finally, worship is our ultimate purpose. John 4, 23 through 24, but the hour is coming. And now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So inside, outside, but ultimately along the guide post of truth. Though to be a true worshiper, we have to seek God within our spirit in a truthful way. We want to seek truth at all other costs. That doesn't mean we lose grace. There's always truth and grace in that tension. But we want to know what is it. And constantly we're asking God, show me how to worship you. Show me how to worship you. Show me how to worship you in spirit and truth. Show me if I start to get off center, if I start to lose my way, just nudge me back with your truth. Just nudge me back. And we can trust that God is not going to let his people get too far out of the way. He'll just keep on rounding us back in, rounding us back in. So how might God be calling us to worship in spirit and in truth? 
This is a beautiful picture that we have this whole life of worship, that we can worship and declare God's worth. We declare that he is above all things. We declare that he is the creator God. We do it in surrender. We do it in humility. We do it in trust. We do it in community and we do it as our ultimate purpose. We're going to end today with a responsive reading, although I will go ahead and read the entire psalm to you. But just sit and let these words of worship that David has penned many, many years before just wash over you. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples, for great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, he is to be revered above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord is king. The world is firmly established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. Let's pray. Father God, we love this image of the entire creation worshiping you. Lord, we want to be in context with the entire creation worshiping you. Lord, we want to live this out morning, noon, and night, understanding, looking for those signs of worship all around us, Lord, that we are joining in with other saints around the world, but also just your creation itself, Lord. This is why nature matters so much to so many because we see you in it, that there's something that stirs in our spirit, some sort of connection of the created, worshiping the creator. But Lord, we love that. We absolutely love that you have created. We know that it is good. And we just thank you. We thank you for all of this. Lord, help us to be a people of worship. Help us to live lives of worship. Help us to look for places and spaces to worship you together with others and alone. But Lord, just to look for you everywhere that we go so that we can just declare that you are worthy. We give all of this to you in your name. Amen.